it's uh, good to be back here. You guys uh, doing all right? Well, tonight, like, like Troy said, come out back tonight, 5.30 to 7.30. Uh, there'll be a time just for all of us to talk. I, I'm, I'm bringing my friend who's a comedian also, because if you talk about porn, you know, it's kind of serious. So uh, we've got to laugh a little bit first. So he's a funny guy. He's going to be sharing. And then, man, if you're a parent, I'm a parent. I've got an 8-year-old and a 10-year-old. My 10-year-old just asked me if he could download Snapchat. And I said, absolutely not. So if you have no clue what I'm talking about, you should come tonight. And... So when your 10-year-old asks you about apps and different things like that, that might kind of go, wow, what do we do here? But if you're also, if you're a teenager, if you're you know, a kid that's online and wondering, you know, how's this stuff uh, you know, going to affect me down the road, come out tonight, it'll be a great, great time uh, to, to be here. So I live in Los Angeles, California. I had no idea what to do when the window was all icy this morning, and I guess this isn't even cold yet, but man, it was 86 degrees yesterday in Los Angeles, so... Uh, but, it, but it is good to be back uh, with you. I, I've got a wife. I've been married 15 years, and like I said, uh, two kids. And, and this morning, just, yeah, I wanted to share um, kind of just some lessons that uh, I think the Lord's kind of been teaching me through this, this past year in my life. Um, been kind of a, a crazy roller coaster kind of year for us. But I wanted to dive in uh, with this first passage in Luke 15. And it's probably a, a passage that that you've heard before if you've been around church at all, um, but maybe as, as I read this, some different parts of the story might stand out. It's a, a parable, which is just a story that Jesus often kind of just told stories, and, and oftentimes I think you know, there's a, a lot of depth to, to these stories. So in Luke 15, it says this, there was once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, I want right now what's coming to me. So the father divided the property between them. It wasn't long before the younger son packed his bag and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. After he'd gone through all his money, there was a bad famine throughout the country, and he began to hurt. He signed on with a citizen there who assigned him to the fields to slop the pigs. He was so hungry he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop, but no one would give him any. That brought him to his senses. He said, all those farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day, and here I'm starving to death. I'm going back to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. He got right up and he went home to his father. When he was still a long ways off, the father saw him. His heart pounding, he ran out and embraced him, kissed him. The son started his speech. Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening. He was calling to the servants. Quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him. Put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then get a grain-fed heifer and roast it. We're going to feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive, given up for lost and now found, and they began to have a wonderful time. But all this time, his older son was out in the field. When the day's work was done, he came in and he approached the house. He heard music and dancing. He called over one of the houseboys and he said, what's going on? He told him, your brother came home. Your father's ordered a feast, barbecued beef, because he is home safe and sound. 
The older brother stalked off in an angry sulk and refused to join in. His father came out and tried to talk to him, but he wouldn't listen. The son said, look, how many years have I stayed here serving you, never giving you one moment of grief? Have you ever thrown a party for me and my friends? This son of yours who's thrown away your money on whores shows up and go, you go out with the feast? His father said, son, you don't understand. You're with me all the time and everything that is mine is yours. But this is a wonderful time we had to celebrate. This brother of yours was dead and now he's alive. He was lost, but now he's found. I was at Easter this year at our church with my family, and the pastor actually shared this passage as the, the message for the day. And, you know, it's very appropriate as we talk about Easter and, and Jesus dying on the cross and raising from the, from, from the dead and kind of told the story about the father coming back to the son. And, and, and I mean, that's a great part of the story. I think for me, and, and maybe I'll, I'll just give you a little insight into my world, I, I tend to, I don't know, maybe watch too much TMZ, read those magazines on the racks at the airport that have no value whatsoever. The Kardashians often are on the cover. Uh, and, and it's all about drama. It's all about family stuff and breakups and who did this. And I mean, finally, I got rid of the TMZ app on my phone. I replaced it with the Bible app so you don't have to pray for me. I'm, I'm doing good. <laughs> My wife sometimes will be like, why are you watching that? I'm like, why are you watching the nightly news? It's, uh, it's about the same thing. She's like, no, this is good. And, and, and so for me, sometimes I, I kind of like getting caught up in other people's drama. But, but I've noticed it's quite sad. A lot of the stuff we watch or we read on the tabloids about just the chaos. And so when I read that story, I'm initially drawn to the brother. Not the one that has come to his senses, but the other brother that's never done anything wrong. He hasn't caused any hard times for his father. And he's going, what about me? Where's my party? Why is there a party for him? And, and you could imagine those two brothers, the, the fighting. You could imagine just the, the jealousy. They're going, wait, what's the deal? He, he spoiled all your money and now you're throwing a party while I'm working for you? I don't know, maybe you guys have perfect families. Uh, maybe you don't have any drama. Maybe you don't have... Uh, you know, any hard times. Maybe this kind of year, this time of year is great for you because you're not like me and my wife where we're kind of flipping a coin like, okay, where do we go this year? Oh, no, let's reflip that. Uh, no, let's just stay home because both our families kind of seem to have craziness. Could we at least one of us have married somebody that had the perfect family so we wouldn't have to deal with the holidays and all this? But maybe it's not that easy. Maybe there's people in your life that you're just going, man, I can't do it. I can't go home this Thanksgiving. I can't celebrate a holiday with them. Maybe for you, you understand a little bit about that. And so to, today, as I talk about that passage, it says the son came to his senses and he finally came home. He didn't think the father would reach out to him like he did. He, he thought, I'll just go work for my father and I'll have a better life. And so the, the great part of that story is understanding that the father, like our father in heaven, reaches out and, and says, no, I'm going to celebrate. You were lost, but now you're found. I grew up in Sacramento, California. I now live in Los Angeles, about seven hours away. But in Sacramento, California, I mean, I had a great family growing up. My parents, I was baptized at a young age. My, uh, my sister actually introduced my parents 
to who Jesus was, and so they got all in. We, we went to church. We even went to Sunday night church when that was around. Then we went to youth group. Then we went to Christian school all my life. And so I would say I was never a bad kid. By about high school, I was kind of done with everything that I had to do in the church. And so I kind of left youth group for a while. But, I mean, the worst things I did was get earrings and grow my hair out. And then that got me kicked out of school for a little bit. But uh, then I had to take the earrings out and cut my hair. But besides that, I, I mean, never really rebelled, never really had this crazy life. And then I shocked all my Christian school friends by saying, hey, I actually think I want to be a pastor one day. And so on my own, I actually went to Christian college in Southern California. My parents didn't make me do that, but I decided that, hey, this is what I wanted to do. And so at 17 years old, I actually left home and I went down to Southern California and I never really went back to Sacramento. I'd visit, I went back actually one summer for an internship and then I just, you know, met my wife. We've stayed down in Southern California. We've lived in some other places, but I've never really gone back. And so I was about 31 years old, about six years ago. That means I'm 37. There's no math class here, but um, I'm talking to my wife. And we talk, we're married, and, you know, we're, we're just talking about things. And I said to her, I said, you know, my dad's retired now. And um, it would be great if, you know, I get to travel to places like Green Bay. I get to go all over the place. And, I mean, I often get to bring somebody with me. I just wish I had a relationship with my dad. Now he's retired. I mean, he could go with me to places. And my wife said, well, I wish I just even knew my dad. Her dad left when she was two years old, and all she knew is his name and his social security number that's on her birth certificate. And so we just started talking about families. And, you know, for me, it wasn't I had a bad childhood, but my dad and I never were that close. We, the only thing we really did together was sports. He'd come to my sporting events, and then he loved the San Francisco 49ers. So I hated him. I actually cheered for the Raiders. Uh, that got me nowhere. So I've actually become a Packer fan because, I mean, yeah. How long can you be a Raider fan for? Now, I mean, it's just, it was just brutal. But, I mean, growing up, I, I, my dad, we'd go to Candlestick. We'd go to 49er games. And then I'm like, Dad, we got to go to the, the, you know, the Raider place. And, oh, that, that place was awful. But we got to go see a game there. And we would talk about the Sacramento Kings, who are just as bad basketball team. And, and so besides sports, there really wasn't much. And, in fact, from the day I left college at seven, for college at 17, I actually... I don't know why, but sometimes we do this. We get like, I get kind of worked up. I got, you know, talking to my wife. I'm like, you know what? My dad's never even called me on the phone. She's like, what? I'm like, and every time I call home, if my dad does answer, he gives the phone right to my mom. You know, okay, hey boy, okay, talk to your mom. And then my mom will tell my dad what's going on with me. It won't be like we can just talk. And so I'm just kind of venting, saying, oh, it will never happen. I mean, but I wish it would. And so a couple of weeks later, I get this charge on our credit card. It's for $49, and, and I'm looking at it. It's some internet thing. I asked my wife. She goes, oh, I searched for my dad because I had his social security number, and I found out where he lives, and I wrote him a letter. Like, wow, I was kind of impressed. You actually did something. I just sit here and talk about, oh, man, I wish this could happen. I was like, did you hear anything? She's like, no, I didn't hear anything. I just wrote the letter. I just found out, and, you know, he lives 20 minutes from where we used to live. He actually lives in the town that is on my birth certificate that I was born in. I had no idea. So about the same time, it's just weird how God was doing stuff in our lives. My dad calls me on the phone. I was like, hey, dad. He's like, hey, boy. And I said, dad, is mom okay? Because I figured, like, she must have died. 
Like, or grandma, something happened, the dog, my dog, I mean, what, dad, everyone all right? He's like, yeah, but actually I had hip surgery. Did your mother tell you? Yes, mother told me that you had hip surgery. How's it going? He's like, it's awful. You know, I I got rid of the the company and now I just, I volunteer and I can't even do anything for a week. I've just been on my back. Oh, sorry, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be all right. Yeah, I'm going to be all right. But, but the reason I'm calling is could we let bygones be bygones and start over? And I had no idea what bygones be bygones. I mean, it's not how I would talk, but I, I was, I'll look that up later. And I just said, yeah, Dad, we'll let bygones be bygones and start over. And then there was just silence, awkward, like, guy silence. All right, yeah, we'll start over. And how about those diners, Dad? Yeah, they're not looking too good. Yeah, okay, well, okay, I'll t- do you want to talk to your mother? No, you called me. So yeah, I'll talk to mom. Uh, and I get off the phone, I run down, I tell my wife, I said, my dad just called me. Nobody died, but he wants to start over. She's like, what are you going to do? I was like, I don't know. And so later that night, I said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm speaking in Denver, Colorado in a couple weeks, and I was just going to go, you know, for the weekend, and I've got a men's breakfast, a Sunday night. I mean, it's like a Friday through Monday thing, but I'm going to ask my dad to go with me. And before she could kind of talk me out of it, or I could talk myself out of it, I called my dad and said, Dad, I'm speaking in Denver. Would you like to go? And he's like, yeah, I've never been. I said, all right. And then I get freaked out. Like, what am I going to do with my dad all weekend? I felt like a, a girl planning like a retreat because I was like, okay, well, we'll go to a movie. We'll eat three times a day. Uh, I'll, I'll speak. We'll do that. But man, what else? I don't, there's like the Red Rockies. We could go like, we could drive through there because I don't want to go on a hike. Um, my wife's like, are you nervous? I'm like, yeah, I've never been in a hotel room with my dad since I was a kid. Like we we don't do that kind of, yeah, I'm nervous. And so I get to Denver, I pick him up, he sits in the front row every talk. We go to the movies, we go to dinner, we go to lunch, we go, and and the days went on, and you know, we're going back to the hotel room, and I mean, there's only so much sports we could kick around. So then I was like, hey, Dad, how did you meet Mom? Hey, Dad, why do you like the Cincinnati Reds? Well, I grew up in Cincinnati. I didn't know that. Yeah, I moved to San Francisco when I was 12. That's when I became a Niner fan, but I was a Reds fan. And, and tell me about your dad, and, and when did he pass away? Tell me about this, and, and I just got to know him. Things that, like, he just never really, we never really talked about that stuff. So I came home, and I remember telling my wife all these things I found out about my dad. And a couple days later, my dad sent me on yellow paper, lined paper. I don't even know where older people find this paper. Uh, <laughs> And in cursive writing, because he'd never owned a computer, he would never, you know, never has a cell phone, never, sends me a handwritten letter in cursive writing all about the trip, and at the end of it, he just says, thank you, I'd love to go wherever you want to go next. And I was like, oh, okay, and so then I started thinking, well, I'm speaking in Ohio, I bet we could go to Cincinnati and maybe see where he grew up. It was actually near Cincinnati called Middleton. And then there's a football hall of fame there and a bunch of his Niners, you know, they're, they're in the, not the Raiders, but a few of them, but we go to the football hall of fame, we get, so I'm like getting excited now. My wife sees that, man, this is kind of fun and exciting. About the same time, actually nine months later, she gets a letter in the mail and it was from her dad. I was like, man, that took, the mail was slow, but uh, it took a while. And he wrote all about, you know, receiving her letter and how, finding out, and she had sent some pictures of our kids, and 
told him what we've been married and told him what we've been up to. And then he said, hey, I'd love to meet some, someday. So a few months later, we actually headed to Riverside, California, right near where she was born and at Ruby's Diner. We met her dad, who's been a truck driver for years. And my kids, who were you know, a little younger at the time, and my wife, we sat there and just got to meet him. She had all these questions. I was like, save the medical questions for after, like the hellos and the, you know, because she wanted to know what runs in her family and, you know, who has had cancer or this and that and what else should she be looking for. I'm like, no. And so they sat down. I'm like, he looks just like your brother. This is crazy. And at the end of that meeting, he gave her a hug. And he says to her, he says, Jeanette, I love you. I was just kind of watching this and I know my wife could have said, well, I don't believe that. I mean, you've never been involved in my life. You weren't at my wedding. You haven't sent me a birthday card for 34 years. You haven't known my kids. But instead, she just gave him a hug back and said, Dad, I, I love you too. There's a, a verse in the Bible in Romans 12:18. It says, this will be on the screen. It says, if it is possible... As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. just want you to think about that for a second. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you. Because we can't control somebody else. We can't sit there and, and wait for somebody else to pick up the phone or write us a, a, a note. But as it depends on you, do whatever you can to be at peace with everyone. My wife and I, obviously, we got all fired up after this. We were starting to tell people, oh, man, I reconnected with my dad. Jeanette met her dad. And then we thought this would be contagious. So Jeanette starts telling her brothers, hey, I met dad. I don't want to talk to him. I don't want, she has two older brothers. Both of them not interested. Both, then her mom gets mad. You're talking to dad, this and that. My mom's like, why does dad get to go on trips with you? Because <laughs> you didn't want to go to the football hall of fame, mom. You don't even know anything about football. And I don't know. My sister, her and my dad don't have a good relationship. My dad and my mom actually separated, you know, during this time. So then there was just drama, like, okay, you're coming home for Christmas, Craig. Are you going to spend it with dad or me or this? And it was all this chaos. And all I've got to say on that is as far as it depends on you, I do think some of it is contagious. Jeanette's older brother, it took three years. Her oldest brother finally said, can I have dad's phone number? We got to be there in Portland, Oregon when her dad was driving through on a truck and they actually met for the first time his kids, his grandkids, and, and Jade got to meet him. And it was just so awesome to see this. But let me tell you, it, it hasn't happened throughout our whole family where everybody's reconciled. I, I remember when we went to Cincinnati, we, we went to the Football Hall of Fame, then we showed up at my dad's house where his dad had built. We knocked on the door. My dad's like, what are you doing? I was like, we didn't drive this far to not go in. It's like, well, we can't go in. Just take a picture on your phone and, and print it out for me and send it to me. It's like, no, Dad, we're going in. We knocked on the door, and the guy looked at us, and he's like, no, thanks. And I was like, no, we're not selling vacuums. Um, he said, no, you can't come in. And then my dad said, let's just leave. And then I went back, and I said, look, uh, he might be scary, but uh, hey, could we come in? And he said, okay, just five minutes. So we go inside his house, and we're in the living room. The guy gets out the blueprints from the house. They had my dad's dad's name on it. And he's like, there's been some changes here. So I was wondering if you could tell me this fireplace over here, what used to be here? I've never in my life seen my dad even shed a tear. 
until that day when he has these blueprints in his hand. We leave and we get in the car and he puts his hand on my shoulder and he just says, thanks, boy. I got another yellow lined <laughs> note. And my dad and I, let me tell you, over the last six years, we, we've done it all. In fact, after I left his house, my dad, and here's what's kind of sad. I think some of this stuff, and I'm not just talking about families. Maybe to, to you today, it's a business partner. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's, a, you know, something's happened where, I mean, we've all, I think, got people in our life that we've just been waiting for. We've just kind of played victims to. But family stuff, let me just speak to that. Because we're approaching Thanksgiving and, and Christmas in a time where, man, we oftentimes all come together. Or we stay apart because of some of this stuff. After I left my dad's house in Middleton, Ohio, I wrote a letter to his brother. They were best men in each other's weddings. They haven't really connected ever since they were in their 20s. I don't know why, but it makes me angry. And so I sent him photos of, of, of you know, his house and his bedroom where he grew up. And I said, hey, and also I got to let you know about my dad. My dad's actually a nice guy and I've gotten to know him. And I know he'd love to, I know you both are stubborn old guys, but, but man, if you guys could just meet up, I, I think it would be great. And a lot of that stuff never happened. But as far as it depends on you, live at peace with each other. Because we can only do, we can't change other people, but I do think sometimes people will see your life or see these things as an example and go, okay, maybe I can do that. Over the last six years, my dad's continued to not just go on speaking trips with me. He's, he's gotten involved with my kids' lives. He's been at their soccer games. We've been to everything from the Grand Canyon to the Super Bowl to the NBA Finals. To I mean, we've done a lot, and it's been amazing. So back to those 49ers, because last year, if you remember, I mean, we tried to forget it, um, what happened at Candlestick, uh, NFC playoffs. When I looked at that schedule, and I was like, the 49ers are going to play the Packers in San Francisco. I bought this sweatshirt for my dad for Christmas that year. And I showed up at his house. I was like, I can't tell anyone because then my mom's going to be mad that I'm going to go to the game with him and didn't invite her. And then, you know, so I just showed up at his house. I knew he'd be watching the game. So I just said, Dad, we're, we're going to drive and we're going to go. He's like, really? He's like, you know, I'm in a wheelchair. I, I haven't been doing well. I was like, yeah, Dad, I know, but there's, I, I can push you. So we get to Candlestick. I'm trying to push my dad. I got a picture real quick. I, I got to show you. And, and so my dad, actually, they were really nice to us because my dad was wearing a 49er shirt. I tried to push my dad, and everyone's yelling at me and him. Hey, old man, get a real fan to push you. <laughs> so the green shirt didn't allow me to push my own dad. So they were... They're like, hey, do you want to sit on the field? Um, because I was like, well, yeah, but actually, if we can go up a little higher, we can see better. So they were super accommodating because, you know, my dad used to have season tickets there. And, they, 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 and you know, old man in a 49er shirt with a son that's gone lost with the uh, Packers. So <laughs> it was just, it was awesome. That first quarter was great. The Packers were doing well. I was just yelling. People were throwing things at me. <laughs> and then I sat for the rest of the game and just... <laughs> watch the 49ers destroy the Packers and you know as much as I wanted the Packers to, to repeat you know and, and do this you know not repeat but you know get back to I was kind of happy for my dad man this is your team they've put it together I dropped him back off at his house that night and I said hey dad I know they got to beat Atlanta which isn't going to be tough um, after that they're in the Super Bowl 
I said, hey, I, I know your health, and you know, obviously we can't figure out a way to go, but maybe I, I'll just bring down my family, and we'll have a party at your house. He said, that'd be awesome. So a couple weeks later, we headed, packed up the minivan, we, we went to Sacramento, and it was just all about the 49ers and the Super Bowl. And even on that day, it was, okay, what family's going to come and not come? And I just tried to say, hey, everyone, this is like Dad's day to, to celebrate. And, and, and you're all invited, and not everyone wanted to come. And that game was tough. I mean, if you guys watched the Super Bowl or didn't want to watch it, 49ers had a chance first and goal uh, with, you know, two minutes left, and they couldn't get that ball in the end zone to actually win it. And so I was just like, you got to be kidding me. Like, ah, it was so frustrating. But was it was even more frustrating was there was a definite change in my dad's health between when I saw him at the Packer game to now. And he'd been living with a caretaker because he's been living all by himself. His caretaker had been calling me every day saying, I don't know, your dad's stubborn. He won't go to the doctor. And, you know, he's not, his levels are off. And I think he's bleeding internally. And, and there's some problems. So I, I said, as soon as... The game ended. I was like, Dad, we should... He's like, where did your family go? I, I go, I sent them back to the hotel, but we should go to the hospital. No, oh, no, I hate it. Well, the game's over, and, and I know you're upset, but we should really go, because I don't think you're doing well. Oh, I'm fine. I know my body. Uh, no, Dad, I actually called 911, because I, I think you're... We need to go, like, now. So the ambulance got there. I fought with my dad. Dad, you got to go. You know, and finally gave in. We get to the hospital, and, you know, we're still mad about the game and talking about what they should have done and they should have, no, nah, this and that. So, I mean, he's still with it, but then internally, I know he's just, he's, he's struggling. The doctor came in and said, yeah, we need to get him a blood transfusion, but man, man, he's got a host of other things. And I said, yeah, we've been dealing with those for several years, you know, and he said, man, he's probably going to be in here a while. My dad hates hospitals, and it's been a tough prior year of just his health so I stayed with him that night and two days later my my dad died and you know it's it's probably been the toughest thing I, I've ever gone through or, or dealt with in my life like you like we go to a football game and we watch one and then he's he's not there and I mean I know he's 70 years old and time is short but man you you thought we you know we had plans we had things that we'd said he's gonna come down and and be there for my kids and and now it's 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 not gonna happen and what death does though I think it it sometimes does things that we're not able to do in life. And it's kind of sad that the week later we had a memorial at my mom's house where my dad didn't even live. He couldn't even go there while I was alive. But my mom said, well, let's do it. My sister shows up and she had never really reconnected with my dad either. My dad's brother flew in. My dad's sister flew in. And all these people are at the house. And my wife says, hey, Craig, this is going to be weird for you. I said, not for us. Man, we're at peace. We're not just at peace. Like, our kids know grandpa. Our kids, like, we've got stories and, and life that we've done for the last several years. I said, everyone else in this room today, I think, is going to have a harder time. And we shared stories and we talked. And, man, my dad's brother, who I've never known, sounds just like my dad. 
And as he told stories in the room, it, it sounded like, you know, my dad was there. And, and then I just kind of looked around and I wish this all could have happened when my dad was alive, but it didn't. And I don't know today what it is that maybe you need to do. That verse says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace. As far as it depends on you. And my wife wrote a letter, spent her money to track down her dad who left her. My dad called me and all I did was invite him on a trip. I got about 15 pieces of yellow paper and memories and photos and stories. I don't know if it's a friend, if it's a business partner, if it's a family, who it is, but we're called to be peacemakers because what Jesus did on the cross, man, that's why the father runs back to the son in that story and says, no, there's a party. And we could extend that sort of love to others. I'll close with this. I, uh, I've written a couple books over the years and I had a book that just came out. Uh, as you can see, I don't even have it. I have it on my phone. Uh, when you publish a book with a publisher, they're sometimes nice enough to send you copies of the book, but uh, if it doesn't do that well, then you get it on your mobile device. Uh, <laughs> but the weird thing about a book is like I wrote it uh, so many, I wrote it so long ago, and then it takes them like a year to actually come out with the thing. And so I remember writing it, and then when it comes out, you know, they edit it and they change all your stories, so half of them aren't even true anymore. And then uh, I'm just making that up. But then when you get the book, I was like, oh, I, I got to read this because now I got to do interviews and I got to do like press about what what the book's about, and I, I should remember like, oh, they moved some of this stuff around. And so I got the books. And I remember that I got a letter and actually just got one copy from the publisher. Uh, and then he said, you can order several more for this amount of price. But when I got the first book, I opened it up and I just smiled because I remembered I had dedicated the book to my dad. On the front page, it says, Dad, I know this past year has been tough on you and your health. I hope and pray that you're the first one who's able to read the finished copy of this book. The last few years are ones that I'll never forget and I'll always hold on to. A phone call you made to me over six years ago has changed my life and will change our family's future for years to come. Thank you for everything you've done. I look forward to watching another Super Bowl with you. Anyway, I don't get to watch another football game with my dad. But I know I'm at peace and wouldn't change a thing over the last six years with my dad. As far as it is possible for you to do whatever you can to be at peace with everyone. Bow your heads with me. We're going to go into a time of communion. There'll be people, of elders and people that will be up here if you'd like to talk or pray. But as you partake of the bread and the, the juice, I want you to just think about the, the father running back, preparing a feast for the son who finally came to his senses. Maybe today it's time that you come to your senses and pick up the phone 
or head back home. Maybe that's into the arms of Jesus. Or maybe that's back into the arms of your earthly father or mother. God, I thank you for just this church. I thank you just for just the opportunity to to share something so close to, to my heart. And God, I thank you that Somehow you stirred in my dad enough in him to make a phone call. So God, I pray for people in this room as we look forward to the holidays, we can maybe not look at those with fear or resentment, but look towards those with anticipation and peace. God, we love you. We pray this in your name. Amen.